everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. We are 100% sponsor-based, which means that all the revenues we derive come from sponsorships. But I try to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically trying to choose those who have values well aligned to the values expressed on this show, like freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do is a few ad reads right here at the top of the show and then a few ad, ad reads in the middle. And I hope you won't skip them. I hope you'll take the time, listen and see what they have to offer, because again, these are hand selected sponsors. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Pacific Bitcoin Conference, brought to you by SWAN. Now this is going to be a two-day event in Los Angeles, November 10th and 11th, 2022. And if you haven't been to a Bitcoin conference yet, I highly recommend it, as there really is no better way to get integrated into the Bitcoin community. Speakers announced so far include Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, uh, many others. I'll be speaking as well. Uh, Michael Saylor is even quoted as saying, this is going to be the event of the year, so you definitely don't want to miss it. Uh, so go to PacificBitcoin.com and use discount code BREEDLOVE to get your tickets today. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Ledin. Ledin lets you do more with your digital assets. For instance, Ledin offers a B2X loan product that lets you leverage your existing Bitcoin to buy even more Bitcoin. Or you can also get traditional Bitcoin collateralized U.S. dollar loans through Ledin as well. Ledin also offers both Bitcoin and USDC denominated savings accounts, letting you generate yield on your digital assets. Recently, Ledin has launched a Bitcoin mortgage product as well that lets you use Bitcoin to buy a home or finance one that you already own. So go to Ledin.io, that's L-E-D-N.io today to sign up. Nozomi Hayese, welcome back to the What Is Money show. Thank you for having me again. It's great to have you again. Um, I saw you had published a recent written piece titled, Blessed are the Bitcoiners, they shall inherit the earth. And I had to get you back on to talk about it. We had such a good conversation last time. And uh, just by way of quick introduction for my audience, you are a psychologist and recently a Bitcoin author. You've published yes. a few of these pieces uh, exploring the psychological significance of Bitcoin. And uh, this piece is really interesting. Um, I'll just read the subtitle here. You wrote that the creator of Bitcoin delivered us a path of salvation via proof of work a process of validating truth on our own, proving that we human beings are made in the image of God. Very potent subtitle. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, would you mind just unpacking that a little bit and giving us kind of a, a synopsis of, of what this written piece is about? Yeah, so basically, you know, um, you know, we hear in the Bitcoin space, we hear uh, the competition between Bitcoin and the CBDS. Uh, you know, basically the central bank's uh, digital currency would be soon rolled out, right? And then the, these uh, centrally controlled currencies basically have features of uh, surveillance and, uh, you know, capacity to keep track of everybody's uh, transactions. And that could be used um, uh, by like, like, you know, by like ch what Chinese government is doing already 
uh, to create kind of technocracy, right? Social credit scoring system. So Bitcoiners, I think, know uh, what is at the stake uh, and, and what, what they're, you know, they're competing um, with, uh, you know, uh, and, and what, it, uh, and what the, the CBDS would do to undermine our freedom and sovereignty, right? And I wanted to actually go deeper than, you know, just the question of freedom or the surveillance or preservation of privacy, but to, to really understand what is the nature of this competition? You know, what's happening with this, the, uh, you know, battle, you know, or, or the race toward uh, global adoption between uh, CBDS, uh, uh, central banks, digital currencies and Bitcoin. And what I, what I came to understand is that there is deeper philosophical, spiritual dimension to this competition. And, uh, and the, the, the people, the, the prominent actors uh, behind uh, the, the rollout of uh, CBD, uh, the central bank's list of currencies are, um, many of them are pushing, pushing forward uh, what they describe as techno-religion. And techno-religion is basically, it's the belief that technology will uh, solve everything and that technology brings ultimate salvation for humanity, right? And then it's tied with the uh, ideas of transhumanism. Um, and, 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 you know, so when I found out about it, then I started to kind of explore the Bitcoin actually provides alternative to that technological utopia and that it's, it's create a humanistic alternative to technological salvation. So, th so that was kind of like my analysis of what's happening. And I wanted to really uh, highlight, uh, to describe, uh, you know, what this, this competition is all about. And, and, uh, and in order to do that, I wanted to basically illustrate uh, what the, the, you know, the, the people who are behind the, the rollout of central banks' digital currencies are, are trying to do and their vision of the world and then the Bitcoiners' vision of the world. So it's kind of like trying to create this contrast between the two so that we will be informed about choices, right? So we have one hand, the, their vision, and then on the other, we have humanistic vision. And then, um, and then what's happening in the Bitcoin space is that there is this uh, Renaissance 2.0, Enlightenment 2.0, you know, that the people are, uh, Bitcoiners are kind of excited about this resurgence of the art and the revival of the human spirit. And then in, in some ways, I think that there is this, you know, newly awakened spirituality or uh, the, the excitement and, and engagement uh, in, in this community to, uh, participating in articulating what it means to be human. So uh, one hand we have Renaissance 2.0, Bitcoin Renaissance 2.0, and then on the other hand that we have this, you know, technocratic uh, utopia vision uh, uh, carried by, you know, uh, uh, World Economic Forum uh, uh, or, you know, the people who are behind uh, implementation of the central bank digital currencies. Yeah, excellent introduction. I, and I think as we talked a little bit last time that mm -hmm. the CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, they're kind of a product of this behaviorist paradigm. Yes, right? yes. Where, it's a really, I think that it's really the upgrade. I mean, like it's really the Skinner's behaviorism 2.0, you know, and it's really what comes down to is, is the question of consciousness and free will, whether 
you know, we have something called the consciousness uh, or freedom. And the behaviorists, you know, and um, <laughs> those who are behind, uh, you know, CBDC, they are denying there is such thing as free will and that they are, you know, yeah, they are, they are saying that, that we don't have a consciousness or, or, or um, some might be admit that there is something like consciousness, but they deduce consciousness to as a, look at it as, as a byproduct of a brain. You know, so, so it, it's, it's not, there is nothing, there is no such thing as a soul or spiritual beings. And then actually the uh, spokesperson for, for um, this techno religion is the Israeli historian, uh, Yuval Harari, who I quoted in my article. Uh, he basically says that there is no such thing as soul. There's, you know, human beings are not spiritual beings and that we don't have free will. And just as we invented God, you know, free, free will is, a, you know, something that human beings just invented it. So, um, and, you know, he, he basically said, God is dead. It's just a matter of getting rid of his dead body, right? So, so it's, it's a interesting thing that some of the things that he had spoken and he, I see him as a really the spokesperson for this new technocratic vision, you know, so, um, so we need to have the alternative vision to articulate. You know, I think the Bitcoiners need to actively articulate what it means to be human, right. and then you know start creating that that vision. You know, instead of like fighting against them, mm -hmm. but to by creating the alternative, we will win this competition. And then this is ultimately this is a free market competition. That's how I see it. But it's not what is at stake. It's not just the freedom. Or, or privacy, you know, it goes much deeper. It's, it's concerns the future of humanity. And that's what uh, Bitcoiners are engaged in, you know? So I think this is uh, something that I personally feel strongly that, that this is very important. And that one hand we have technology like a Bitcoin, but it's really the human beings. What we do with the technology will decide, you know, the future of humanity. Yeah, indeed. I'm, I'm reminded of, there's a great YouTube video called, um, I forget the name of it. It might be Killing the Mind, or uh, it talks about mass psychosis and totalitarianism. But towards the end of that video, and I'll try to put it in the show notes, it describes viable resistance strategies to totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. um, highest among them is this idea of developing parallel systems. Yes, right, where yes. you can just opt out of the system entirely and, and just exactly. not participate. Yes. And so we kind of have this strange paradigm where this, the central bank digital currency seems to be a money that's being in, or intends to be instrumentalized for social engineering, right? And as you yes, said yes. in China, we already have social credit right. score. If you say the wrong thing or buy the wrong thing right. or talk to the wrong people, they turn off your money selectively yes, yes. to punish mm -hmm. you and, and to engineer you basically, right? Exactly, right. And, and Bitcoin obviously is something that that is not possible with. So right. you've got CBDC empowering social engineering, maybe Bitcoin enabling something much more like self-actualization, which is clearly right, right. outside of the behaviorist paradigm. Exactly, exactly. And right. it, it seems like the big battle here is, it's like we've created this, it's a new forum for the human imagination, 
the internet, right? The digital landscape, yes, yes. whatever it is. And now I think what's really coming into the foreground for me is like you see established powers fighting to control the narrative in that new space. Correct. So that's this Correct. whole uh, great reset, you know, re yes, yes. we have to reimagine everything. They even use the word imagine. Right, but definitely. it's, but it's, um, you know, the root, so authority, right? We often talk yes, about yes. authority. Well, the root word of authority is author. Yes. So it's like these CBDCs are trying to be used to author people's stories, whereas right. Bitcoin lets you be, you know, engaged in like a self-authoring process. Right, you become like the author. Yes, yes. Yes. And, and, and this is, just to right. read one piece from your, one excerpt from your piece here, in Harari's view, and Yuval yes. Harari is the author of the book Sapiens, which is actually a really good book. It's kind of, it's which it? is about yeah. narratives, which is about exactly yes. what yes. we're talking about. But it seems like he's kind of gone to the dark side here, being the right. advisor to Klaus Schwab. Harari right. says that human beings are no longer mysterious spiritual souls. Instead, they have become hackable animals. Correct. So very concerning to read that. Right. And what's interesting about this, you know, it's good that you brought up about this narrative control, because uh, as I see it, you uh, all Harari, you know, his role in this is that, you know, the, he kind of is a prophet, like considered to be a prophet warning humanity about what is going to happen, you know, this rise of technology and the machine world and, you know, how the human will be basically enslaved by the machines and he's kind of warning us, right, saying we got to do something about this. And then if you actually listen to uh, some of his talks and interviews, and then I actually last night watched one of his interviews, he's not, uh, you know, he, I mean, I personally maybe don't necessarily like him, but he, he's not, he, he's kind of likable. He has kind of a personality that is accessible to people. And so he's not like considered to be like an evil person, like trying to do this, but, but he's, he's just a warning, right? He's informing us about this. But what I found interesting is that I think that he's like a spokesperson and that he is presenting the programs, right? So here are the programs. And then that now we need to collaborate together and to fight against this or resist this um, te technocratic uh, uh, takeover or the machine takeover, right? And what's interesting is that, you know, this has been the, um, this has been the patterns, I think, of the elite is that you know, they try to use the electoral politics, electoral arena, or engage the public in the semblance of democracy by controlling narratives. So you know, instead of maybe moving toward a total dictatorship you know, and, and, and slave everybody and using the brutal force to uh, move toward a dystopic society, I'm actually saying that maybe the, the way past toward a, a dystopic society would be more like soft soft way of more subversive way of, of you know control and which is that you know someone like uh, Harari would present articulated programs and then actually you know without showing the real choice you know the real alternative which I think Bitcoin present and the Bitcoiners are aware of that, that Harari basically is, is saying this is inevitable we cannot do anything about this. We have to accept the fact that technology or machine would have this much power. Then what we can do to um, you know, mitigate its, its uh, uh, adverse consequences, right? 
So he is already putting us in, in, in a compromised position and then make us engage in this, you know, this, I, I would expect that there will be a slogan of something like, we own the, all in this together, you know, whether it's a climate change or racial issues or anything, you know, or, or pandemic, everything like that, that they try to present, uh, to write articulate programs and then engage us with the, with the efforts to bring out solutions that they, all, they came up with, right? So that's how I see it. And then that, you know, basically what I see is that they, you know, their vision really is, um, it's the, the machine takeover and that the, the human beings will uh, cease to exist as spiritual beings or, uh, or uh, beings with autonomous feeling and, and thought, you know, and, 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 uh, and this is exactly something that Julian Assange of WikiLeaks uh, pointed out. You know, he was right about this. You know, he, he earlier, he uh, describes the uh, defining battle uh, is the institution versus individuals, right? So he basically, as a part of notable cypherpunks, he said, our battle is not like left versus right, you know, that is politically defined, but it's individual versus state, you know, individual versus institutions. And now, you know, later, years later, after he said that, he pointed out the, the uh, defining struggle is, is whether humans that control machines or the machines that control human beings. And I think he's precise, I mean, he's, he's very correct in saying that. And, and that's why I think he's basically imprisoned now. You know, everybody knows that he's, you know, he's, he's uh, imprisoned without charge for exposing the, the crime over the US government and engaging in, in uh, journalism. But I don't think that's the only reason why he was, he was uh, you know, sent to, sent to prison, you know, because he knew about this battle and, and right. what's gonna, yeah. And, and if he was allowed to speak, then he would be engaging the public in this struggle. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that individuals that are throwing light on the real problem that sort of undermines those that would yes. push narratives, right? They're, yes. They're introducing a narrative as a solution, but if you undermine yes, their introduction yes. of that narrative by saying, hey, this whole thing is a game being played in your imagination, it short, sort of mm -hmm. short circuits the whole effort. Exactly. Um, and it, I like this, this point on soft control because it is this, I often call this the moralistic camouflage. Yes. You know, we have the ESG to save the world. Right, right. I'm sure CBDCs will be introduced to save the economy. It's always right. done for our safety, right? Even the lockdowns right. and all these other things. It's right. there's there's never there never seems to be an instance where government takes an action that they don't say right. it's in your best interest. Right. But it is almost always the exact opposite of in exactly. your best interest. Right. And it's, it's kind of enticing. It's seductive. The narrative is seductive. And so that mm -hmm. the people just uh, engage with it. But once you engage, you you will lose because that's you you are put in a, into a in a compromised position. You know you you are deprived of real choice, right? Yes. It's you know, you're going to engage with a solution that that somebody else came up with. So that's the whole point, and I think that's why Bitcoin Bitcoiners have to articulate the the choice. You know the real choice that we have, and we cannot just compromise. You know. Mm. So. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the Assange point is good too, because there, you know, this goes back to Ayn Rand and all the libertarian philosophers that there's always been a struggle between the individual right. and collectives, right. Or yes, yes. groups, whatever you want to call these things. Right. And, uh, you know, Bitcoin's very interesting in that way that it's kind of like the first collective, if we want to call it that, it's a decentralized organization. Yes. But it's optimized for the individual. So yes. that's what makes it so interesting. It's kind of, we've right, always right. had the need to organize ourselves, which required some social constructs. Right. But then the people in power within those social constructs. Yes tend to become corrupt or, or bend right, the rules right. to their own favor over time mm -hmm. at the expense of others. And then, you know, right. that compromises the integrity of these social structures and they collapse. That's kind of the game exactly. or the right. dynamic we've been caught in. But Bitcoin, again, is so interesting in that it's the first collective or organization that we have that just has rules that can't be bent or broken. And they, yes. again, they're optimized for the individual. So it's sort of bridge the gap i think between the individual and the collective which is super yes. interesting and, it, and i think that's why i think the bitcoin is a magical internet of money that it's kind of uh you know solve the paradox i mean in, in some ways because it, it allows us to be absolutely individual right the fundamentally individual and without sacrificing ourselves we can actually come to consensus like we can actually right. create harmony right and and in the in the existing system, it's like in order to create social harmony, we have to sacrifice. We have to give up our individuality, right? We have to conform to the collective, and that has been kind of a, the the only way that was available. And now we have a new system where being individual does not uh, harm the the need of the collective, right? In and and actually, you know, we have to be individual. We have to be sovereign so that we can actually bring value to the collective. So it's, it's an interesting, certainly interesting mm -hmm. uh, phenomenon that is happening. The new, definitely it's a new paradigm yes. that never existed before. Yeah, almost like the, we could maybe say that Bitcoin is the first social consensus based purely on consent. Yeah, you know, all, all these point, other yes. social the social consensus of anything that, you know, the U S constitution even, which is something that's been right. a great tool for Liberty, right. but it took a lot of coercion to get it in place. Right. There was, right, there was right. war and right. et cetera. So um, yeah, Bitcoin's quite mind bending in that way. I do want to read this excerpt, a longer excerpt from your piece that includes a quote from Yuval. Um, okay. So you wrote, with a view that animals and human beings can be reducible to algorithms, mm -hmm. Yuval aims to replace intuition and inner feelings of individuals with mechanical processing. Yes. Yuval Harari explained how feelings are not some metaphysical quality that God gave us, mm -hmm. but simply biochemical processes of calculations. Calling them biochemical algorithms, Harari noted... And now this is his, his quote. He said, what scientists and engineers are telling us more and more is that if we only have enough data and enough computing power, we can create external algorithms that understand humans and their feelings much better than humans can understand themselves. Right. And once you have an algorithm that understands you and your feelings better than you understand yourself, 
That's when authority shifts away from humans to algorithms. Yes. Um, yeah, this mechanistic, reductionist, materialist, behaviorist mm -hmm. paradigm just is really ugly when taken to, a, to its extremes. You know, you start to discount the autonomy and sovereignty and individuality of every living person. You start, right. oh, they're just a mat. They're just an algorithm, right? Like a, 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 a deterministic process, I exactly. guess. Right. And then you, yeah. you, you develop, if you, if you look at humans in that way or life in that way, then you almost automatically develop this hubris of like, Oh, it's, right. I, they're just deterministic processes. We can pull this lever, press this button and change the outcomes. Exactly. But that is totally right. ignorance of complex reality, right? If if we have learned nothing else as human beings, every time we right, intervene, right. we think we're mm -hmm. going to do one thing, we create right. this cascade of unintended consequences. Yes. Yet that lesson does not seem to stick. Yes, definitely. And I think that, as I see it, that they are, you know, transhumanist or technologist or, you know, they are trying to reinvent, trying to create a new universe. You know, and we hear this Facebook ranting this metaverse, right? So then people are getting into this virtual reality, but it's it's actually goes much bigger than this, and and that they are, yeah, they are basically creating the new universe, and and then human beings will be ordinary human beings will be subjected to the the te technological control. And for instance, you know, the the Harari talks about the authority now, you know, shift from human beings to technology, human beings to data. And he says the techno religion is about data religion. And then what that means is that, you know, nowadays, like we, you know, the Amazon, you know, tells you that, that they would recommend your, the books to read, for instance, right? Saying, oh, Robert, you know, I know which books that you read. And then now, you know, these are the good books for you. And that's one thing. But, you know, he's basically saying that the, in the future, it's get to the point where we would ask, you know, algorithms for the answers for our decisions, like who to marry, you know, uh, what what kind of jobs we should get, and we should just ask uh, Amazon, you know, that correct data, and they have they know more about ourselves because they collect all the data, right? And then um, and then with this biometric uh, tools that you know that goes under our skin that record you know what's happening with our blood pressure or you know what's happening in, inside ourselves that they know how we get excited when we read certain books or when we meet certain people or you know so they basically would know us inside out and and you know so we would not have a privacy at all right i mean it, it's a it's has it would go to the next level um and so so basically so that the, the shift of authority from human beings to algorithms i mean and, and and you know what it does is that i would just give you an example like you know we have something like intuition like and and that sometimes like you know that you have this plan like you have to go to uh go to work let's say and you have uh uh you already follow always follow the same path but sometimes like you feel like you know what I just feel like I, I wanted to kind of go to a different path today. Like you probably had that kind of experience, right? Or like, I need to stop at this uh, bookstore or I need to just, you know, do something else. And when you listen to intuition, do you meet someone that you never expected? 
and that would change, transform your life, or you meet the love of your life or something like that, right? And then that's when that, that kind of magic or synchronistic event happened when you follow your intuition. Like, you know, Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss, right? So there are things that I think guide our actions that are not just simply logical or reason, you know, based, right? Something that we feel, we don't understand why, but we just follow it and then something happens. And I think what um, this technological control or algorithmic control or whatever, you know, would do is that it would shut that down, you know, shut, shut our connection to that intuition, that something vital that guide us, you know, and then so that we have to follow what the Google map says, the Google will give you, okay, these are the things, you know, that these are the, the paths that you have to take to work. And if you're trying to go away from that, the Google would say, oh, no, 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 you have to, you have to keep going, you know, so, um, and, and so I as I see it, it, what it does is that it's, yeah, it's, it's creates a universe where human beings cannot uh, act freely, cannot trust or cannot follow our feelings or intuition, right? And, and everything will be mechanically controlled, right? And then, and then algorithm is based on deterministic sequence, obviously, something that we have done based on the, our actions that have been already taken place. So it's, it's the past dictating future, if you think about it, right? So there is, there is no possibility for future that is independent from the past. And then it deprives of our potent capacity for creativity because creativity is, is something that, you know, that something happens, you know, like the, that goes outside of time and space perhaps or a linear sense of the time, and then something comes that is completely a uh, uh, paradigm shift or earth shattering or something that never existed before, that comes when you know, we connect with this creative force. But if, if the algorithmic determinism always keeps us in what we have already done, what we have thought of, what we have felt about, then we cannot actually you know, exercise our power over creativity, right? Um, so it has a deep consequence because human beings are no longer uh, creative beings and we will be just simply repeating what we've already done. It's just repeating in the past. And then algorithms can control us more and more because they will collect the data of what we have done. And then, then you know, put us in a loop cycle of you know, past informing the present and then the, you know, present informing the future, but it's, it's a kind of a closed circle, if you see, right? Um, and then what Bitcoin does is that Bitcoin open up uh, this, this, you know, open the cracks in, in this loop. So give, give us an alternative so that we can exercise the inspiration, the imagination, and then we can live in the present moment or we can enter into the present moment where the real potent creative power exists. And then we can create the present moment out of imagination rather than you know, past just informing us. And then we become just simply repeating what we have already done. You know? yeah, yeah, it makes so much sense that you know, it's part of learning, I guess, that you, we obviously take in, we experience life, we take mm -hmm. in experience itself. We are coding, right? Memories, heuristics, rules of thumb, right, right, right. things, ways to be in that situation. When you're in a similar situation right. again, 
you can apply yourself in a better way. So there's some utility in the right, memories, right. right? And the yes, structuring, yes. the habits, right. the routines, all of that. But you can't get locked into those patterns purely because then correct, you're unable correct. to learn, right? You need to have correct, correct. experimentation. You need to yes. follow your intuition at times. This is where a lot right. of the great discoveries and, and innovations have come from. Exactly. And so, and again, there's something here related to that behaviorist paradigm where they think that, you know, everything's reducible to, to data basically, or, exactly. right. or it's computable, but right. we know like, we know that there are uncomputable aspects to reality. That's the other weird thing about this is science. If you really follow science to the bottom, like, you know, get into something like the quantum domain, there are plenty of uncomputable, purely probability-based situations, right? You can't reduce it to an algorithm or reduce it to a number. So it's a strange thing, right? It's almost like the, our thinking hasn't actually caught up to where science actually is today we're still kind of stuck in this newtonian paradigm almost like the clockwork universe and we're all just machines and right well and and the materialistic scientists you know ultimately they they see uh consciousness as a byproduct of the brain you know it's a chemical activities and interaction inside the brain and there is nothing that you know you know they don't see the consciousness actually precedes a brain right so that's a new paradigm so scientists materialistic scientists cannot uh, accept. But there is, you know, I mean, brain and head-based thinking or intelligence is just one part of intelligence that we have intelligence of the heart. We have intelligence of the stomach, you know, like we have like gut feeling, you know, so, so that our stomach, the gut has intelligence, right? Tell us like what not eat or, you know, all of that stuff. So I think that this whole kind of uh, heavy reliance on head-based science, so to speak, you know, uh, confined us in in this one one narrow kind of a, you know spectrum of reality or intelligence right we have to depend on this rational reason you know the brain-based thinking but we are much more than that you know obviously that this brain-based thinking has a utility to it i mean there's no way that you know we need this right it, it gives us uh, information and, and you know we can learn and we can have memory and all of that stuff but like you're saying, we, we should not be just confined and restricted to that faculty. You know, we should be able to embrace all the aspects of ourselves and all forms of intelligence, right? So that's, I think, the, the part of, you know, Bitcoin Renaissance 2.0 is to embrace, you know, all that is human. And the Bitcoin is allowing us to do that. Yeah. And I guess, uh, you know, we're talk- we often say, thinking with the head versus, you know, feeling with the heart or gut instinct. We describe these things as if they're real, but I just learned this a few years ago. They actually are real, right? There's, there's actual neurons in your heart. There's neurons in your gut. There's a lot more in your brain, but they're different, different levels of knowing. Right. And we've all experienced it probably at some point in our lives, right? Your head's telling you one thing, your heart's telling you another, and you have to work it out. Right. and yes, all of this... and it, 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 yeah, it is scientifically actually observable and studied, you know, there is, you know, the science has been showing that the heart has uh, generated electromagnetic field that is much larger than the, the brain, you know, and that can be actually detected. So, you know, it's not just, you know, the ancient mystics talked about heart, right, like Lumi or poets, you know, that they talked about the intelligence of the heart. And then, but somehow, like scientists, 
just see that as like a mysticism, but it, it's not. It's, it can be scientifically proven. The heart has intelligence. Yes, yeah. And it, all of this... Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it. Legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian, Chris Rock. Insurance. You got to have some insurance. You got to. That's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. <laughs> and I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? So with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. Wasabi lets you use Bitcoin privately while still maintaining full control over your money. Specifically, Wasabi Wallet is an open source, non-custodial wallet with privacy built in by default. By using Wasabi, you're effectively putting the private back in private property. Wasabi Wallet is an easy to use privacy wallet that can support any amount of Bitcoin transactions. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art wallet software. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Swan Private. Swan Private is a concierge financial services firm based in Los Angeles. Now, I've known the Swan team for years, and these guys are laser-focused on the Bitcoin mission. They even have a zero-tolerance policy for all shitcoining. Recently, their CEO, Corey Clipston, was instrumental in calling out many of these crypto scams right before they collapsed, saving a lot of people a lot of money in the process. Swan Private focuses on guiding high net worth individuals and businesses on all aspects of Bitcoin strategy, including buying, custodying, and market research. This concierge service provides you direct access to a private advisor by text, phone, or email. So go to swanprivate.com slash breedlove today to sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Masterworks. Masterworks gives you access to the fine art market at more affordable price points. They do this by offering you fractional shares in their $500 million portfolio of fine art. Now fine art is an alternative asset class, and historically it's been a great performer and a really good hedge against inflation. Most investors typically hold anywhere from 2 to 10% of their assets in an asset like fine art. To sign up or learn more, go to masterworks.com and use promo code BREEDLOVE. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. 
So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. And it, all of this makes me wonder too, because I've often, you know, often described money as our most important technology. Uh-huh. It has these, it has kind of a hybrid technology plus psychotechnology aspect and where a technology is something more like a physical laptop right. a psychotechnology being something more like literacy or numeracy or rhetoric mm-hmm. even like it's a it's a cognitive software basically right. money so it's kind of both in a way right because it, it tends to be rooted in physical reality like like gold was but then we also think in prices so it, it kind of has both of these qualities and so I'm always curious, like how, well, I guess one of the things I'm really trying to zero in on with the show and with my work is how much does, do changes in the character of the monetary technology influence changes in our mind, right? They're, they're linked together. And so I wonder how much of a, of a reciprocity there is between the two. And um, I'll read another excerpt here from your piece. You wrote that central bank digital currency is a type of programmable new money capable of tracking, monitoring, and controlling the flow of transactions. China has become the leading edge of its development. They have applied it to the creation of a social credit scoring program, a system of moral ranking that controls the behavior of citizens. Some see the ultimate goal of the rollout of CBDCs as being to program people like central bank digital currencies. Humanity can now be reinvented in the image of the machine to act as automatons like robots without feeling. And so it's just interesting to me that we're talking about just using two different tools for the same job, right? One is a form of money that people can inject their agenda or they can program, right? They can program the money to try and engineer social outcomes, Whereas the other form of money, like Bitcoin, is immune to that engineering, the social engineering aspect. So what you're really doing is giving maximal power and autonomy to the individual user. Right. And so so Bitcoin would seem to empower and enable self-organization, which is what we observe in nature, by the way, right? There's not a lot of apes social engineering one another right they self-organize into tribes or whatever they call them uh a group of apes i don't know what it's called versus in the cbdc world we do have human apes trying to inject their agenda in uh in ways that can influence the behavior of other human apes towards their ends so it's it's this weird it's almost like CBDCs allow one group of humans to make other humans a means sub-human. to an end. Right. Sub-human. Yeah, subhuman. They, they sub-human. will create a new class, right? New class. Of, and, and then that, you're right. So, yeah, they, are, they are trying to create, and they, they are trying to give power to technology. So in the sense that the God becomes- Making technology a God, yes. Right, right. And then the humans will be reduced to like animal, kind of like animal level, right? Um, hackable animals as as you know harari says it um so it's it's really i mean using money as a social contract basically and then deploying it by using game theory you know and then their game is you know using this narratives and uh taking advantage of this uh 
pretense of democracy, you know, which many people still believe that, you know, especially people in the West believe that, that they have, they live in a democratic society, right? So uh, using that to manipulate us, you know, exploit our empathy and uh, creating this uh, narratives that speak to us and make us feel good. And so that we will suck in and we would adapt their, their currencies. And I think it's a good thing, you know, we have to do this we have to do this together to save humanity or whatever. But actually that plan is, is a very anti-human, you know, anti you know they, it's based on the anti-humanistic vision in my opinion. And then Bitcoin provides, because Bitcoin by removing uh, central control, it's I think align us to who we are, you know, as, as just, you know, naturally as, as who we are, right? and the law of nature, basically, underlying law of nature. And what's interesting is that these people who want to control, whether that's B.F. Skinner or, you know, the transhumanist, or they want to kind of undermine the laws of nature. You know, there are principles and laws that control us, like govern us, right? And that's precede human-made law, so to speak, like legal laws, right? And, um, and I think, that you know the central planners, they actually want to take that take that power. Like they want to be the god, so they will create their man-made laws and try to override the laws of nature, which it's really not possible. I mean, you know, it, it creates the illusion that that that's possible, but it's not really inherently possible. You know. Yeah, the fear is used a lot, right? To corral humans into these systems of control so it's engaging right. human nature in a negative way and that you want yes. trying to create fear in people so that they're easier to move right, right? it's yes, easier to yes. present a solution when people are scared or right. there's a lot of uncertainty etc exactly right whereas bitcoin's approaching human nature from just the opposite tact mm -hmm. is that you know basically it's uh an acknowledgement of I don't like this term free will because it's hotly debated, but people mm -hmm. obviously have the ability to control themselves and decide what they're going to do. I mean, you could right. argue that even that's deterministic, but we can't, we can't predict it, right? You can't look at a human right. and say, oh, this, these are the actions they're going to take for the rest of their life. So even if free will is an illusion and their life mm -hmm. is deterministic, we, it's impenetrable to us. We can't see it. Right. Right. So Bitcoin is like acknowledging, uh, the the humble place we should be coming right, from right. Because, in the face yeah. of, of of complex reality it's like we can't know what will happen so here here is a system that honors your individual capabilities and power to deal with an uncertain future honors every individuals right and in that approach it's actually making us collectively the most resistant to the future, right? We can create more yeah. wealth, more division of labor, right. more civilization, ultimately. Exactly. And I think the what Satoshi did, in my opinion, is that basically to, to construct the decentralized system, right? And to remove levers of control. And I think that, you know, he or she recognized and, and kind of respected, I, I think, the laws of nature or to realize that there are something higher that governs each, each person actually, you know, each person universally, but at the, at the same time at the individual level. And we trust that, you know, we trust that each person 
has an ability to know what is right for themselves and the ability to self-determine their own lives. And that I am willing to let go of that control, you know, control over another fellow man or women, you know. And that I think is a very significant thing because in the sense that, you know, yeah, to recognize that there is something, you know, working in us and, and that it's not us to judge whether it's working correctly for someone and it doesn't work correctly for someone and we have someone intervene and then fix it or something, but to trust that, okay, that we are, everybody is basically governed by wisdom, you know, wisdom of, of or uh, the, the laws of nature, you know what I mean? And that when, so it allow each person to connect with that wisdom in, 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 inside themselves. And somehow when we start to do that, at the individual level and they come together collectively and the form a network, like you were saying, it, it creates a very resilient, uh, powerful, you know, network, you know, and then nobody's controlling anyone. You know, it's, it's just a- it's self-organizing. It, yeah, everybody's mm -hmm. bound by laws of nature, mm -hmm. which we actually are, it was, yes. you know, whether we know or not, since we are born, we are, everybody is, subjected to laws of gravity. Nobody can go above it, right? I mean, nobody can stop the law of gravity from working and act as like they are immune from it. No, everybody's affected by that. So whether we know or not, we are all bound by laws of nature, you know? And I think the Bitcoin now, I think for the first time in human history, perhaps allow us to recognize that and then each allow each person to choose it, choose to align you know, him or herself with that, you know, underlying basically principles, fundamental principles. And it's really up to each, each person to choose it, you know? Yeah, no, it's super well said. The, the paper that's coming up in my mind right now is The Use of Knowledge in Society by Hayek. And he oh. just describes, it does a beautiful job of explaining how knowledge has kind of this spatial and temporal relevance, you know? So local actors like people on the scene right when yeah. things happen they have knowledge that they can act upon right then and there that is much more efficient for that individual to do that rather than pass that knowledge into some bureaucratic system wait for it to go all the way up the chain of command oh, and come all the way back down with a decision and then tell you what you should do and by right, then right. the information may not be relevant at that point right so it that would be kind of CBDC world, right? Where everything, yes, all yes. the knowledge and right. subsequent decision-making is being fed through the bureaucratic chain of yes. command. Right. Whereas Bitcoin world is just saying, no, let each individual right. make their own decisions and yes. incur the consequences of those actions, of those decisions. Exactly. Right. That's the system that's constantly calibrating itself with the most information and most feedback to make us right. most adapted to the world. Which right. is the whole, that's the whole point, right? As we're right. saying these, yes, yes, yes. we're trying as a species, trying to become more better fit for survival on this planet. Right, right. Yes, yes. Right. So, so, that, so I think that, you know, the, the, the people, I mean, the people who are trying to re-engineer the fiat system, you know, or the fiat mindset is that they want to control, they want to govern other person, you know, and they want to save other people, right? So in a sense that, again, they want to exercise control. And then like someone like Skinner, I mean, he probably believed in what he was doing. He didn't think that he was doing something, you know, harmful. I, th I think he truly believes 
in what he was doing was to maybe save humanity or whatever, right? So, but, but that's like their system is that there's something wrong outside and then like, you know, we have to, they have to uh, control and fix things, you know, whereas the Bitcoin, you know, each person will save him or herself. Nobody's saving anyone, you know, it's each person doing it, you know, so that's the difference, I think, different model, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a great point because even these guys, Yuval Harari and all the World Economic Forum mm -hmm. people, they probably think they're saving the world too. Exactly, know? And, right. And yeah, from their exactly. own limited paradigm. Yes, yes. Um, and who are we, but, you know, like who are we to say whether they're right or wrong necessarily, right. but what, we're, what we do have the power to say is no, right? Like, no, right, 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 that doesn't right, work for me. Right, yeah. I'll pass. Right, that, exactly. Someone exactly. else can eat the bugs. Someone else cannot have yes, the property yes, and be happy. Right. I'm going to uh, do, I'm going to do this, you know, that's right, right for me. Right. Exactly. So, um, exactly. And I think, and I think that from a bigger perspective, if we zoom out, I think that we are humanity collectively are going through some kind of right of passage. You know, we are, you know, in, in the process of uh, evolving ourselves. And then for that, uh, we need to have a choice. You know, if we don't have a real choices, right. Then we cannot actually claim our own freedom. So, I think the uh, CBDC, you know, you know, people who are trying to go about CBDCs, they are presenting as a choice and they are, you know, engaging competition. So I think there's a purpose in doing that, you know, for them to exist, in my opinion. So I don't consider them as like, oh, that's, you know, they, we should fight against them. No, I think it's, it's like a, what's happening is as perfect as it is. Everything is just, you know, how it should happen that, we and we now have the real choices you know yeah yeah that's you could probably sum it up with just that as bitcoin's giving people more choices right and that right. you don't have to you don't have to get on board with whatever narrative or system is being forced upon you you now have a right. way to opt out yeah um i'll read one and more I, except here yeah. sorry go ahead no, go ahead. No, I mean, okay. and then also I think that Bitcoin is actually reviving the free free market. You know, that it's a mm -hmm. real test whether we are going to have free market or not. You know, if mm -hmm. we don't have a choice, if we cannot make choices, we don't have free market. So, mm -hmm. and also it shows what free market can do, right? So that's again, that's why I think it's like excitement experiment. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, I'll read one more excerpt here. You wrote, Satoshi Nakamoto, the unknown person or group behind Bitcoin, made manifest the cypherpunk's moral value by writing code that can defend the freedom of individuals. Satoshi, by launching Bitcoin as a community-driven free software project, let go of control over the technology. In this act, a creator of Bitcoin transferred the authority to each human being and then disappeared. Instead of a mere promise of redemption, Satoshi delivered us a path via proof of work. Here, the creator lets us all engage in the work of salvation, a process of validating truth on our own, proving that we human beings are made in the image of God. Now, I think you and I probably have similar views on, well, at least... We probably don't view God as the guy in the sky, as many no, people, no, no, no. Many people no. do. So could mm -hmm. you just unpack, this is a very powerful 
closing excerpt here. Could you just unpack that a little bit for us? And how, what is the connection you're making to God here? And I guess it would it help to have you somewhat, I know this is very difficult to do, but somewhat describe the okay. conceptualization of God you had in mind when you wrote this. Okay, so, um, so that, okay, you were, you know, you, you are Harani talks about how before, like we had this God, you know, God figure or religions, right? And then we externalized authorities onto these kind of entities, deities. And, and, uh, and then, then there is a shift that happened from that kind of, uh, you know, religion, the, the influence of religion to, uh, you know, constitutional republic, perhaps, the, the, the move toward democracy, representative democracy. And then, so that the, the premise of democracy is that it's the, each person, you know, has, has a um, way of knowing in, in a sense that each person, instead of like trusting God or religion, you know, that, that it's up to the individual, like each person can know what is right and wrong. Um, and, and because of the fact that like in the US, for instance, there is the, you know, founding fathers made sure that, you know, there has to be the wall of separation between the state and church and that they did not want to create a church state. Like they wanted to basically give individuals uh, rights and, and uh, ability to decide what is right for them. Um, and then, you know, the, now the Harari is basically pointing that now authority is going back to, uh, again, this external God. And, but, this is, but it's not the God, you know, the religious God, but at this time it's technology. And I think, you know, when I wrote this, you know, I agree with um, Harari's assessment that, that first that, you know, we had, we externalized our authority onto, you know, metaphysical entities like God or religions. And then that moved, uh, you know, the society moved from monarchy to uh, democratic system so that, that you know, somehow the uh, uh, source of legitimacy is placed upon the individual. And that was the significance of uh, the creation of the US constitution, for instance, or the, the, as an example of democratic systems. Um, but, but the next step, you know, that's where I strongly disagree with Harari, is that now with Bitcoin, the source of legitimacy is for the first time placed in the individual. So the US constitution or the US, you know, the representative democracy as it was designed initially, it was a good idea, and but it, it has not really lived up to its its potential, or it hasn't really realized what it set out to do, and that and and that the ultimately, for me, when I use the term God, it's individual basically. It's the God, you know, whatever the external externalized authority that we give power to, you know, that that God is now descending into the heart of each human being. So that we become, we become part of a God. And I don't mean that when I say like we become part of God, like we become God, like, you know, to control other people or, you know, to exercise the uh, omnipotence or whatever, you know, like not like the arrogant way of, you know, like we are almighty, but uh, we are, we recognize ourselves as part of divine or as part of something larger that connect us, connect, connect all of us as, as species, as, you know, as other human beings. Um, and, and, and that there is no separation between this, 
you know, the external authority or the or God or the uh, each person. So, you know, the word God is very kind of, um, you know, it's it's a um, weighted word. You know, like some people have made major, you know, knee-jerk reaction to it. But mm -hmm. I don't mean as like the religious God, but I mean as the the source of legitimacy is being placed upon the individual that we become the author each person become the author of you know his or her own lives and that authorship you know that's what i mean as as god that mm. now we can claim that authorship um and that we don't have to ex externalize uh that power onto other people or other you know or deities uh you know, Christian God or Jesus Christ or Buddha or you know whatever mm -hmm. the gods that are that are uh, out there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so it's 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 more kind of a in a secular way. You know, it's 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 uh, it's us. You know, we we each person has divine spark in us, and that we each, each person can um, verify our own truths, what is right for mm -hmm. us, and that we don't have to trust any religious authorities. We don't have to trust politicians. We don't have to trust bankers. Uh, you know, we don't have to trust uh, anybody. Basically, that mm. we we have a way of uh, verifying uh, what is right. So yeah. So from that perspective, mm. it's it's a it's a different. You know, just because I used the term God, you mm. know, it, it's it's yeah, nothing really related to. I mean, to you know, these the kind of it's religious. Not, um, not theological so much. It's more mm, right philosophical or maybe metaphysical the way you're using it right. i guess right right and, th and this you know when you look at the whole human enterprise from like you know the, the beginning to now mm -hmm. all the systems we've been creating like the the grand arc or the the direction the trajectory has been towards more power to the people right you, yes yes we've moved away from ancient egyptian pharaoh god kings right where all the power is vested in a couple of people at most, and then everyone else right. is basically a slave right. Right. to something more like liberal democracies, right? Where everyone is supposed to be right. sovereign. Although right. there's obviously the system doesn't work as, as advertised, right. but it, at mm -hmm. least it's better. Right. Right. It's better yes. than 5,000 years ago, 7,000 years ago right. in right. Egypt. Right. I mean, it was definitely a huge step. I mean, it was an improvement and progress. Yes. And then Bitcoin will actually truly realize that. I think exactly. I really believe that Bitcoin truly realized the ideals in the Declaration of Independence. I mean, the ideals that funded the United States, you know. Yeah, that is exactly where I was going with that is Bitcoin is just a furtherance of that same trajectory, yes. right? It was right. Just, it's the I ultimate mean, power to the people. I think that if the funding funds are alive today, and if they see Bitcoin, that they would be, many of them, like Thomas Jefferson, would be overjoyed. That he would think that here comes, you know, the real fulfillment of, you know, the promise. And that, yeah, I mean, that's how I see it. Yeah, agreed completely. Well, Nozomi, this is another great piece. Uh, I hope you continue writing. I, I really enjoy talking to you about this as well. Um, could you please let my audience know where they could find out more about you or your work? Okay, so um, the best way to find uh, a portal, I mean, find out my work is my Twitter which is Nozomi Imagine, that's the account name. And then also I'm actually uh, launching my own podcast with uh, my fellow Bitcoiner, Roger9000. He's a London-based musician and it's called Bitcoin is Love. 
okay. NFS 2.0. So that they, the, the, you know, the reason why I created this is that I wanted to amplify the vibe of love and Renaissance 2.0. So, you know, I think it's, we need to kind of engage in our efforts to create and define what it means to be human, you know, as an antidote to, you know, the, um, this dark forces or the, you know, the WEF uh, agendas, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm really glad you're starting your own pod too. That's super cool. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, these aspects of Bitcoin that are not discussed enough, you know, the personal transformation yes. and whatnot. It's, it's very fascinating to me and I, I hope people get value out of this. Thank uh, well, thank you. Thank you for coming on and we'll do this again. Thank soon. you for having me. Thank yeah. you.